Welcome to episode 115 of the Canadian Prepper Podcast, and a happy National Preparedness Week, because that's a thing. Uh, we're recording on May the 2nd, the first day of Preparedness Week, 2021. My name's Eric, or according to the show notes, Erica, and I'm the host of the show, based in Southern Ontario. I'm a hunter, target shooter, ham radio operator, and computer geek. Uh, as a first responder, witnessed an over-reliance on emergency services during major events, started a small preparedness company to help people get prepared for at least 72 hours, if not longer. My name is Ian, I live on Vancouver Island, I'm a student in preparedness, target shooter, aim is optional, and my farm's designated mediocre handyman. I just find that if you shoot at something, and whatever you hit, you just call the target, you're always on target. Accuracy by saturation, spray and pray. Yeah, that's pretty much the way it works, right? <laughs> yeah, that, that, yeah, safety, don't worry about it. And, and you know, if, if in doubt you hear a noise in the bush, just shoot at it, right? Exactly, that's exactly how it works. <laughs> I can't believe YouTube keeps us. <laughs> I'm Alan. I'm a safety trainer, although I won't admit that in front of Ian. Uh, first responder, security expert, overall safety nerd. I'm Jeff. I'm based in central Ontario. I'm a target shooter, soon to be ham radio operator, and just general overall handyman. You, now that you've announced that publicly, according to this show's track record, you have a year to complete that. It's true. Okay. Mm-hmm. So get cracking. If you want to support the show and keep the Canadian Pepper Podcast on the air, please buy some swag. We have both these super cool Pepper Podcast t-shirt in black and green and the even cooler tactical Velcro patch at www.prepperpodcast.ca. All proceeds help to keep the lights on and the backup generator fueled. And if you're enjoying the show, please take a few minutes to like us on Facebook and submit a review on iTunes. We also want your feedback, good, bad, or whatever. Or just if there's a topic you want us to cover, email us at feedback at prepperpodcast.ca. All right, so we've got some high-frequency content for you in this episode. Yes, I changed it. <laughs> We're going to start off with some preparedness-related news articles. Next, we'll let you know uh, what we've done for our preparedness since last episode. Then we're going to get into the main topic, uh, VHF and UHF basics, because you can just never have too much ham radio. Well, as mentioned at the top of the show, this is National Preparedness Week, and a great place to start on information is the, I can't believe I'm saying this, the government's website, getprepared.gc.ca. <laughs> Despite the fact that it's a government website, it actually has a lot of great information about the basics to keep yourself handy, uh, keep yourself healthy for 72 hours, if not longer. Another great resource is Rapid Survival. Well, sure. even a broken clock is right twice a day. So I guess if you give the government and drones enough time at the desk, sooner or later, they'll like a thousand monkeys typing, you know, on a typewriter, sooner or later, they can put out something that's good, right? It's true. It's true. Yeah. Well, I look at it. <laughs> All right, as for myself, uh, because the people involved clearly never watched The Terminator, um, there's an article here on defense1.com that uh, mentions the fact that the Army is exploring equipping, equipping robots with uh, living muscle tissue to be more efficient. What could go wrong? Robocop. <laughs> Robocop. Well, yeah, maybe Robocop. I, I, Peter Weller was good, good at that, I guess. But um, yeah, no, they're actually saying that basically they can't reproduce the efficiency of human muscle when it comes to energy usage and everything else. And so they've decided to try and see if they could make, well, cyborgs, for lack of a better term, but more machine than human. But still, um, is any cyborg a good cyborg? I don't know. Human-enhanced human robots, is that somehow better than robotic-enhanced humans? 
it's just something we don't need right now. Yeah, it's, 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 it is. <laughs> what, what was the Jeff Goldblum line? Sometimes they're like they're so busy wondering about whether they could do it, they didn't stop to think whether or not they should do it. Yeah, no, it's just it's because this year and it's you know they're just trying yeah. to outdo each other every every month. It seems I don't know. It just seems bad. Um, <laughs> who who had half human cyborgs on their twenty twenty one bingo card? Exactly. <laughs> Um, yeah, so the other one, not as menacing, but still, you can see our future in the U.S.'s future because basically on TheVerge.com, they have an article mentioning the fact that uh, the FAA is chasing, changing the remote rules for uh, drones. So basically what's going to require you to have is a remote ID that's GPS tracked live on the Internet at all times when you're flying your drone. So not only radar controllers, but the average Joe public can see where you personally are flying your drone with your address and your drone type. And it's like recorded forever, of course. Um, not just if anything goes wrong, but also just to see who's flying how much, where and when and everything else. So This doesn't seem like a very good idea. I yeah, see no, nothing wrong with it. What's wrong with that? Yeah. And the best part is your <laughs> old drones that don't have this, this software fix, which might just be a software fix or a hardware fix, maybe, um, you won't be able to fly them anymore. So I guess they're going to make them all obsolete as of next year. Is that where the cyborgs? I, for one, welcome our new overlord. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just seems a touch over controlling for what should be a hobby. But anyway, ah, hey. government gets involved, right? Yeah. Make things better. Yep. All right. So I've got a, an article here in regards to Canada not uh, being ready for the shutdown of line five. So uh, the governor of Michigan intends to shut down uh, Enbridge's line uh, number five pipeline. Uh, so that's the line that brings oil that uh, creates half of the gasoline, diesel, propane, jet fuel, all that good stuff to uh, Ontario and Quebec. So that's not good. Um, that's going to be uh, at a cost of about 540,000 barrels of oil a day. That's going to suck. Cool. We you know, it, 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 it's almost as if we had an opportunity to do that and we didn't take that opportunity. Huh. It, it's shocking. And if we learned anything from last year, we know that rail transportation of propane is very reliable too, right? And not subject to supply oh, yeah. disruptions. No, no, no. Just check in with <laughs> Quebec about that. Yeah. And, and can we also just for, 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 you know, the sake of posterity mentioned that the, um, you know, the, even the travel of, of crude and bitumen is is also completely safe, and the people of Lac Megantic in, in Quebec will be will attest to that. Yeah, absolutely. I think they're they're all for it, right? Oh yeah, yeah. So, so be interesting. But yeah, the best part is, I'm actually surprised how little press coverage this has gotten. Is you know, mm -hmm. this is like a month ago, and they're like, oh yeah, oh no big deal. We'll yeah, don't worry about fine. it. Yeah. I mean, yes, nothing to see here. It helps you meet carbon emissions targets by not having people with the ability to drive because they have no gas, but it's not going to not create shortages. So, I don't know. Yep. That worked well in Venezuela, didn't it? Yeah, oh, I think yeah. so. Yeah, sure did, yeah. Yeah. Jeff? So, I know we really don't like to talk politics too much, but we're going to talk a bit of politics because it, it could apply to us or anybody else which of course is uh, our government's uh, intent to censor the internet or censor free speech through Bill C-10. Uh, CTV News had a bit of a, an article about it. Um, and what basically it says the Heritage Committee won't reverse any changes despite public outcry. Should we be shocked? Um, you know, I, I think, it, at least from my end of it, I, 
A lot of people are saying, oh, well, you know, it's the, it's the, the censor hate speech. Well, we already have laws for that. It's already in the criminal code for hate speech. So why do we need another? And I can see, as everybody, I'm sure, is well aware, if you give the government an inch, they're going to take 100 miles. So uh, I can see where potentially this could impact um, certain ways of communicating uh, kind of in the dark, if you want, such as uh, the signal. Uh, texting and that that's all encrypted and everything where the government could say well you know what that's dangerous and we need to protect people's safety so therefore we're going to make all of those encrypted type things uh, illegal or we're going to shut them down and you have to communicate on a way that we can read it it's my thoughts yeah or they probably might not like certain podcasts and just decide to shut them down arbitrarily or Order. Well, I was going to go. I was. I wasn't going to go down that rabbit hole, but that certainly crossed my mind too. Of, you know, and and maybe even, um, you know, other things like. And I, and I doubt they would, because ham radios do a lot of good things for communities, and these areas are are all of that. But you know, a lot of a lot of preppers are ham operators, and you know, there's a lot of countries that, such as, of course. You know, the countries that don't allow or or have these uh, internet sensors like North Korea, Russia, China, they don't really have ham either. So, yeah, it's uh, it's definitely something to pay attention to because uh, as soon as they want to start filtering stuff, like you said, give them an inch, they'll take a mile, right? And well, and again, it's amazing how little press coverage this is getting. Yeah. When you think the press would be all over it, but free speech and journalism and, you know, getting the truth out and stuff, but they're just like, nope. Yep. So. Okay. No, there's no free speech in the media. The government pays them. It's, they don't, it's not free. Are, are you saying we have state-sponsored media in this country? <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Did I just say a, that a, again? A, a company, a company that's, that's, in, that's indebted to the government for a billion dollars a year is only going to put out, put, put out and talk about what the government wants them to say? Shut the front door. Come on. Bad, bad. Slap my hand. Yeah. <laughs> it's too polite right. to call Pravda, so anyway. <laughs> Shall we move into what we've done lately for preps? Go for it. So for myself, rotated the fuel stock. So I wanted to get ahead of that whole line five shutdown, have uh, some fresh fuel all uh, ready to go. So did that. And besides that, I've been painting the house because we got some quotes to have someone else come and do it. And no, just no. You know, it's one of those things where unlike oil changes, it's actually worth your while to do it because not just the ease of yeah. doing it, but just the markup that the people charge you for their oh. their quote-unquote labor it's insane yeah, it's nuts absolutely nuts so been doing that huh all right well that's for myself kind of the same thing a lot of home repair um rainy season is over so we're demossing and getting the algae off everything including my truck believe it or not there's actually like algae growing around the windows and stuff crazy oh. yeah shouldn't drive it underwater <clears throat> no yeah. i really shouldn't but that's what i was doing all winter it seems so uh yeah a lot of home repair and stuff like that going on i did start watching some advanced uh ham course training videos but holy doodle it's hard to keep concentrating on those ones <laughs> nap time i'm sorry was that was that holy doodle yeah well is I'm, that, I'm that what you this day. yeah i did hey i i got away with an f-bomb last week and nobody even edited it out so <laughs> <laughs> yeah i don't edit those out anyway so uh yeah no, I, am a, censor. I am a nerd um 
yeah, so I watch the advanced hand training videos, and I cannot get through more than ten minutes without needing a break. So I'm good. It's going to be a while. <laughs> uh, let's see here. I did some wood stacking. I like uh, just like some other people here as well. Uh, bagged up some rice. We got at the superstore on a good deal because the prices of rice is going up and rice crop failures everywhere. So we figured we'd grab a couple extra bags. Uh, I received my twelve volt power source in the mail. I don't know if you guys can see it on the old interwebs here, but oh, there it yeah. is. Yay! That looks oddly familiar. It does look just like something Eric had, yeah. And then, so it's pretty pretty cool. I, I measured it before I hooked anything up to it and mm-hmm. made sure it was like not putting out like ten thousand volts. But um, yeah. possibility, yeah. So <laughs> hooked up the old QIT there, the one that's going to go in the truck, and started uh, programming it and playing with it a little more. Because before I was using a battery, and like two minutes into it, the battery would like go below voltage and then shut off the radio, and it was it was horrible because it's an old worn out battery. Um, so that was good. So I got to play with that, and the range and, and clarity is fantastic compared to the old Balfangs, which is a nice change. Uh, see here, ordered some Mylar bags and O2 absorbers. Uh, because of the rice usage, I used up the last of my big bags, so I had to get some more of those. Uh, bought a truck antenna mount from a local supplier, uh, Island Communications, and they were fantastic. They had uh, the right year, model, make, everything for the uh, the antenna mount, so it was good. And of course, I had to watch some videos to figure out how to get the antenna and power stuff through the firewall because that's not never as easy as you think, right? <laughs> that's well, it's always easy. That's the easiest part. We just drill randomly, right? Just start. Well, yeah, pushing. yeah. You just yeah. yeah, just guess. Yeah, just whatever. There's nothing big, important. Big, big half inch holes, a whole series of yeah. them, and then you can so, you get your choice. Yeah, the firewall's not there for any reason except the drill through. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> and if, if you hit wires, you just back it out and then go into well, the yeah. next half an inch yeah, over. Or something. Don't worry yeah. about it. Yeah. Uh, did I talk about the ammo cans last week from Princess Auto? Yeah, they were so on sale. a week before, yeah. Yeah, so they showed up anyway. But um, I am going to put one to work as a portable like uh, power station project. So with like, uh, you know, USB outlets and a battery and a solar hookup and everything else. So I'm going to have like a portable ammo can power supply. Oh, that's, nice. uh, so that'll go down the road. That's not even close to even. I haven't even ordered the parts for it yet, but that's going to start one of those. Um, see here, I'm going to take another metal one and swap it out with a plastic one I got and do a mini Faraday cage because I'm reading one second after and paranoia. <laughs> um, oh yes, yeah. So that's another uh, another project that's gonna have to come to fruition. I guess I'll put some pictures on that one. Let's see here. So I redid my bug out bag for the seasonal rotation. So I changed out the the rain gear for the warm weather stuff. Uh, a couple other just checked to make sure what I was missing and changed out the food that was in it and a couple other things. But just uh, made sure it was like part of that uh, twice a year check, just like my fire extinguishers and and smoke detectors and everything else. How much carbon monoxide alarms? I always, me to it. Those are those are part of the process with the fire extinguisher and fire alarms and everything else. They just they all get checked. So, absolutely. Don't but, forget uh, the carbon monoxide detector. Well, as I think you just said. <laughs> um, yeah. But anyways, uh, that's pretty much it for me. And uh, I did some food prep. Did my once a month run to Costco, and so I did some food prep. Uh, rotated my fuel stock and filled my jerry cans again because of uh, that line five issue. Did. Uh, some of my routine maintenance on some of my equipment, my generator, my lawnmower, my snowblower, oil changes, new spark plugs, etc. And uh, like Ian, I also did more wood. I got another dump trailer load showed up in my driveway unexpectedly, so I'm still working at it. I love how that just shows up randomly. Usually you got to pay extra for that one. Yeah. Yeah, it's like a little wood fairy that drops off stuff, or gifts from the forest or something. Mm-hmm. It's pretty good. There you go. I finally got around to installing the radio in my truck this weekend, uh, as in earlier today. Um, went back and forth with a couple of different antennas and a couple of different uh, mounts. 
Um, finally ended up with a magnetic antenna base and discovered that the hood of my truck is aluminum. So now I'm looking for a different place to uh, mount my antenna because it turns out there isn't like a bolt-on antenna base that I can find that's commercially made for this particular antenna. I'm not willing to buy a new antenna just because I've got all of these extra ones sitting around now. Um, so I'm coming up with a workaround that I think is going to go down kind of under the cab and back in through the firewall. I have a, I have a grommet available in my firewall so, for, so that uh, it, it's intended for this. It's sitting right there ready to go, but the, the radio does work. Um, I actually changed the installation a little bit because I was going to put it, I think Eric, we were talking about it, I was going to put it on a relay so that when I turn the key on, it would power the, it would power the radio. I decided to go direct off the power source be with the theory that if I ever lost my key and I lost my cell phone, I, st I could still run my radio, but it's on a switch so I can leave it off except when I need it. Yeah, that works too. Yeah. Cause I have, you know, it's, it's a new enough vehicle that it has a, um, it has a phobic, but the, there's still a mechanical key to unlock the door. So the mechanical key is zip tied in a secure place under the vehicle. If I ever need it, I can just get under there, rip off the zip tie, unlock the door that gets me into the truck. But if I have, you know, lost my keys in the woods, then at least I can radio for help. So that was my, that was my theory behind that. So even if I can't start the truck, I can still make use of the radio. And now if I want to take your truck for a joy ride, I know where a spare key is. It won't start it. You'll get you, it'll get you in the cab and you're oh. welcome to the Kleenexes and the box of masks <laughs> that are in there. Please leave me the first aid kit though. But otherwise, I might, might take the radio. Yeah. I mean, go for it. It's, it's, you know, <laughs> It's not like it was a good one or anything. I got it from Rapid Survival. Oh, that's fired. Touche. So that that was my that was my day. I spent the day on the day on the driveway pulling wires and making connections and um, getting my radio almost set up. And now I need to learn how to program it, which is you know why we're here. I just just thought of a new advertising slogan for Eric: Rapid Survival, the Wish dot com of Canada. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. Okay. Right. Well, please, so. please, talk, please talk to me after the show. So, we yeah, we so, had a great uh, run. 115 we had episodes. 115 episodes is pretty good. So, uh, currently accepting applications. Yeah. We so, we're going to take hosts. applications to, uh, to replace Ian. Yeah. So uh, if you can email your uh, resumes into feedback at prepperpodcast.ca. And uh, yeah, uh, and, next week we should have a new Ian. And ninety percent of uh, success is just showing up. So pretty much the first person that applies will get the job. And God, hey, at this point, anybody will be better than you. <laughs> That's how I got here. Yeah, I deserve that. That's all good. Uh, all right, yeah. let's move into the main topic, shall we? <laughs> all right. So, why are we talking about VHF to UHF? Besides the fact that I wanted to, uh, there's lots of reasons, I guess, yeah. because we all talk about basics of hams and and whys, right? But nobody really goes on a deep dive on on particular uses and, and specifics on them, right? No. Uh, it's, it's obviously a very popular topic because everybody keeps asking, so. Well, although there's no user feedback today so far, which is really unusual. I was actually just going to ask, like, do we have the chats opener or something? Because we, like, we usually have yeah. at least a few comments up and maybe it's just a beautiful night and nobody's listening to us live. Well, we've got 10 people watching, nobody <laughs> talking. All right. Maybe all right. they're all on UHF VHF. <laughs> Could be. All right, so first of all, uh, let's get down to the basics. What it defines VHF and UHF, Eric? So VHF, UHF, uh, very high frequency, and wait for it, wait for it. Is everybody ready? Ultra high frequency. 
<laughs> I think we should change that. We should potentially change that to Uber high frequency. I think we should change it to Uber high frequency. Yeah. That'd be it's good. Not, not just for TV anymore. It turns out. No. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So uh, VHF uh, for the people that haven't got their ham license yet is basically in mission megahertz and it is 144 to 148 megahertz. It's also called the two meter band because they like to make things confusing. It's true. Or so. Or so. Um, put it in kind of perspective, it's kind of just above what the airplanes use and well below what something like your cordless phone would use. Uh, but it's kind of just, uh, it's meant for like medium distance communications more than anything else. Uh, the UHF is a little higher up the scale. It's uh, 430 to 450 megahertz. Please tell me I didn't get that wrong. And right uh, yeah, they also call it the 70 centimeter band because again, confusion. So yeah. what's that the took me the longest time to get the handle on. Is just why? Yeah, Kathy just like <laughs> I still haven't got it, and I'm I'm still figuring it out. And oh, you yeah. will find when you get chatting on the airwaves that pretty much every ham only will refer to it as two meter seventy centimeter. It's just the way it is. <laughs> it's cache, like using the term seven three. Yeah. So, yeah, so, I, so they wouldn't use point seven meter and keep it even the same unit of measurement. Why would you do that? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and acronyms. Don't get me started on acronyms. No, oh god, no. But anyway, okay. No. So with a VHF, UHF, uh, obviously the utility of these things is for medium range communication, short range communication in, in some cases. But the handy talkies or HTs, as they like to call them, again more acronyms. Um, if you're going to get picked between the two, I guess VHF will theoretically give you a longer range, uh, but the UHF will be much clearer than VHF. But yet uh, it's kind of limited to a closer range, depending on. A bunch of factors, if that makes sense. Yeah. So the fun stuff with uh, with VHF, uh, it's not strongly uh, reflected by the atmosphere, so it, it's not easily bendable. Um, if you want to think of it that way, uh, so it can't be transmitted beyond the horizon, which get, takes a little little bit of time to get your head wrapped around. Uh, but so beyond the horizon is not a thing. Uh, it's short range, like Ian said. It's it's line of sight communication. It's the best way to think of it. If you can see it, then you can transmit to it. But remember, the horizon kind of bends a little bit as well. So, it's well, if you believe eyesight. that the Earth isn't flat, I suppose. Well, you know, for you flat Earthers out there, fine. Send me some hate mail. Feedback at <laughs> pepperpodcast.ca, and you Unlimited can send range. Your, and you can yeah, just send your signal across the world. Go for it. Yes. If you want proof positive the world is indeed curved, you could use the formula as discussed here. Uh, for line of sight, it's actually because it does stick a little bit to the earth, but not really. It, it doesn't really bend to the earth, but on a very, very slight amount it does, in which case it's slightly better than actual visual line of sight. Uh, so if you take your height above ground or the height of your antenna above ground and go with uh, 1.23 times the square root of your altitude above ground, and you will get the basically miles of range for your antenna. So and, uh, our live viewers just dropped the zero. Yep, I got gotcha, you, nerd. <laughs> <laughs> but it gets better. If you're up high and the other person's yeah. up higher, well, then obviously you get over that curve a little better and you get even oh. further distance. Uh, for example, uh, somebody I may know, uh, when he's cruising around at 35,000 feet or whatever and you're using VHF, you can actually get about 300 miles uh, versus some people that are on the ground might get two or three miles, right? And so it just obviously it's it's huge. There's and of course limitations when you think about it. With this thing, you can still actually contact the International Space Station. So if you can see it, you can pretty much transmit to it, yep. which is good. Yeah, 
That's kind of neat when you when you start kind of looking around at your landscape and realizing where certain repeaters are or certain areas you want to talk to, then uh, you kind of start figuring out, you know, where you can transmit to, and then you start so, thinking about it as you're as you're looking around. Al- altitude start- from altitude from ground in what unit of measurement? Ah, there you go. Uh, sorry, altitude of ground in feet. So if you're actually like uh, nine feet up, three take three times one point two three. There's your range in in miles. Excellent. And so, yeah, that's a. It's pretty simple like that. Oh, and Darren G mentions that he uh, bought a Midland radio from Bass Pro Shop today. He was actually watching my posts, I guess. So uh, that's good. Play around. Nice. It's it's a good start. And uh, Terry does mention that he's here as well. Well, um, it's glad to, it's good to know that there are actually people out there listening. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Uh, let's see here. So what else we need to talk about? Obstacles. Uh, so yeah, if there's something in, in your way, and even though it's within you know a line of sight range based on your calculations, for example, I've got a repeater that's only 2.8 miles from me, and I cannot reach it no matter what um, from my house. But if I go like half a mile that way, sure enough, I can because there's a little lump of uh, land in front of us uh, between the two of us anyway. And there is actually some websites you can figure stuff out as far as obstacles go if you really want to get nerdy with it. But uh, basically, just give it a try is probably the easiest way. Yeah, trial and error is usually the best way to figure it out. Oh, yeah. cool. Um, so, as far as that goes, if we want to get around the obstacle issue, uh, there's something we can use called a repeater. Uh, now, we've heard we've mentioned repeaters a couple times, and uh, what exactly are repeaters, Eric? So, repeater is exactly as it sounds. It's a device that repeats your signal. So, you set your radio up to transmit to the repeater. The repeater takes your signal, repeats it out, and normally it's a it's a more powerful uh, device that's hooked up on a, a proper transmission tower. It has a good line of sight to all kinds of other areas, and it's got a good amount of power usually, and it just literally repeats your signal out. So it's kind of like one of those holler bad girls in the rap videos. <laughs> no, okay, maybe not. So catch us next week on Twitter. Uh, yeah, okay. Yeah, um, YouTube okay. has to kick us off after that one. So since since we have a repeater, why do we need? Uh, why can't we just talk unlimited on them? Unlimited on the repeaters? Yeah, why don't we just blab our head off? Because other people get mad. They're, they're usually <laughs> communal things. So, yeah. Who, who's in charge of repeaters? So, uh, as far as who runs the repeaters, most likely it's going to be your local ham radio club will sponsor a repeater and maintain it and make sure it runs and operates efficiently. Uh, but if you have your advanced level certification in Canada, then you can also set up and maintain your own repeater. Uh, but normally it's going to be the ham radio clubs, or you're going to find some high schools or, or colleges that also sponsor and run some as well. Uh, but uh, you can as well with your advanced, like I said. So for those of us, probably half the panel here, old enough to remember party lines. It's, oh, uh, yes. it, is a, it is a thing. Like, I mean, so everybody's listening. Uh, everybody can hear you. Uh, the actual the repeater I get best, like I said, is, is 57 miles away because it's just at the top of a mountain towards Vancouver. But there's 3 million potential listeners there. So... Yeah. Yeah. It's a thing. And yeah. the way the repeater works, of course, uh, you can actually still transmit and yet hear it at the same time because it's actually transmitting at one frequency and you're receiving it on another frequency. So it's actually kind of a big loopy circle depending on how the, the repeater is set up and how your handy talkie set up. Yeah. Uh, it's actually a pretty slick operation. I believe the answer loopy circle is in the exam. Yeah, it's, that's tech talk. <laughs> Yes, very you much know, so. When you get to be is as it, cool as us. Yeah. Is, is it loopy circle on the left of the thingy or on the right of the thingy? No, that's the center, center of the thingamajobber. 
you know, the swirly thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's connected to your wristwatch. <laughs> come here from the shoulder thing that goes up. Yeah. yeah. Come <laughs> you here know, more, that more, thing, more. like, come on, you know what it is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> come yeah. here for more professional advice. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> podcast. Uh, yeah. What else can we do with the uh, repeater, Eric? So with the repeater, depending on what kind of things are hooked up to it, you'll notice uh, if you're looking in repeater book or various internet sources, you'll see things like echo link, uh, IRLP, uh, those sort of things. So those are internet based connections to the repeaters. So you can, um, while operating your radio, punch in a node number for a different IRLP radio, and then it will connect to that uh, repeater as well. So then you can repeat out to any repeater in the world, depending on uh, what node you punch in. Uh, Echo Link is only phone-based. So if you have um, an Android or iPhone, you can get the app and you can log into the repeaters uh, via the app and then transmit out across that app as well. My personal favorite, some of them are set up for phone patches. Mm-hmm. And so basically you can actually use it as a phone. Of course, everybody's listening, but in an emergency or whatever, you had to make a phone call, call for a tow truck or for a new host or whatever you might need, you know, just <laughs> <laughs> so you can actually, uh, yeah, make a phone Stand patch. By, I'll, I'll call now for a new host. Yeah. yeah. Let me, let me give that a try. So, um, yeah, which is actually kind of cool. So for, if you are in the bush and, but within range of a repeater, but no cell service, there is an option there to make a phone call if required via your handy talkie which is kind of a cool thing um it's something that doesn't really mention that much anymore and i don't really know why people don't push it more because it is it's a huge benefit right oh yeah Um, i don't know if maybe the repeaters just aren't as hooked up to that anymore as they used to be yeah i mean like some of them specify phone patch some don't but um and i don't know what kind of a long distance thing they have to worry about but i mean now every has pretty much unlimited long distance anyway so i don't know yeah um i guess it's the owner of the repeater that have to be on the hook for that yeah, it would be uh, same as the owner of the repeaters on the hook for the internet service when you're you're using one of those internet connected things. Uh, hmm. But yeah, cool. So with these repeaters, because they extend the range so much, like for example, because of that repeater over in Vancouver, there I can actually reach a guy over in a place called Hope, which is probably about a hundred miles away now because he's on the other side of the mountain, other side of the valley. Um, yeah, great phone range there, but. Um, yeah, I guess they're just, uh, what was I trying to get at there? They're very, very utilitarian. Uh, they work great, but uh, how much do they cost? Well, it depends on uh, how much you want to spend. Yeah. Um, <laughs> obviously, I think anything, I think 1500 bucks would be the absolute minimum if you want to just get a, a basic radio repeater. Yeah, right? y- you can get some, some used repeaters. Um, a lot of clubs will sell off their old equipment when they're replacing it. So, yeah, you, you can find old used repeaters for 1500 to two grand. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it all depends on how much you want to spend and you know, you can, you can set up a repeater with a couple of bail fangs as well. If you wanted, it's. Yeah. There's YouTube you videos on. Yeah. I've seen YouTube videos on that where they kind of have like a, a temporary powered kind of repeater set for the bow fang, unless they're both sitting in a charger, I suppose that would work yeah. too. But, um, assuming the power goes out with the repeater, uh, there's standby power for some of these, are there? Yeah. That's, uh, again, that's up to the person that sets the repeater up. Uh, to have some form of battery backup for them. And it's the same as, you know, you would do for your house or, or anywhere else you want to power in a, in a power outage. It's, it depends again, how much you want to spend and what kind of generator you want to run and, and what kind of setup you want. But a, a lot of the ones that I've seen are just on just your regular uninterruptible un- 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 power supplies. So they'll run for maybe an hour or so and, and that's it. 
Um, I got to talk about the, I had to use the word tactical somewhere in here just to keep some oh, listeners course. interested. So yeah, tactical repeater, yeah. the tactical benefit of a repeater <laughs> or, or just radio handy talkies, for example, uh, obviously when power's out, uh, and people's cell phone services out like Rogers last week, yep. they still work. Um, you know, short range communication, it's still nice and clear. If you can see the person, you can talk to them. So it might just be across, you know, they might be on a boat. They might be, uh, across the water. They might be in the air. Who knows? But there is obviously a benefit to being having independent communications that nobody can turn off on you unless there's yeah. an EMP, I suppose. But well, that's where Faraday cage comes in. Yeah, that's right. You gotta yeah. build one of those Faraday boxes yeah. or something like that. But, um, it did come up as a question. I just want to mention it for the listeners here. So people are using like the Midland FRS walkie-talkies. Somebody has mentioned about uh, setting up a repeater that works on those frequencies. Is that a thing? Uh, so repeaters on the FRS frequencies is actually prohibited in Canada. So you can't uh, can't do that, unfortunately. Government steps but in. But it's technically place. possible. Is it possible? Absolutely. Well, you can repeat any radio signal, but are you allowed to repeat FRS? No. Hmm. Can you repeat FRS? Well, of course you can. Yeah. But hey. just, just not allowed to. Just yeah. a thought. Yeah, no, I just had a random question from a guy. So, um, yeah. And let's see. As far as the, how the repeaters actually work, uh, can you talk about the, the frequency thing? Uh, just about programming them in? Yeah, well, just like so. about the transmit receive frequency and the offset and all that stuff. Yeah. So... That was probably the biggest thing that confused the heck out of me when I first started doing the, the ham radio thing is you'll look at your list of repeaters and all you're going to see is one frequency listed usually. And then you'll see like a plus minus 0.6 or a plus minus 0.5. And for the longest time I sat and I looked at it, I'm like, okay, I know that I'm going to transmit on one frequency. I'm going to listen on the other, but like, where, where's my second frequency? So what that's actually telling you is when you read out the first frequency listed, that's the frequency you're going to be listening on. So that's your receive frequency. And then your plus minus is actually the offset. So it's going to minus or plus uh, 0.6 or 0.5 to the frequency you've put in to listen to. And every time you key the mic to talk, then it either pluses or minuses depending on the offset that's set for that repeater. And you're transmitting on that offset. So, and so that's plus or minus five and six uh, megahertz, right? Correct. Yeah. And yeah, they don't actually specify anywhere about you know, which ones no. the transmit, which ones the receive frequency. No. And yeah, I found that a little bit confusing as well. Is there an industry convention like why they go plus or minus? Like, what, does it depend on the frequency band, or just? I think it depends on the, the setup in the area, uh, but I could be wrong on that because I've seen it just traveling the province. I've seen some do minus six, some do plus five, some do plus six, some do minus five. Um, so I'm not 100% sure if it's a, an industry standard thing or just by choice to, to help rule out interference or just usage in the area. I was going to say that 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 may be a thing is, that you just touched on there, Rick, is the interference if, you know, repeaters are fairly strong. So if you're if, if you have every repeater on one frequency and plus five, you're you're going to get just all that interference. So. Awesome. So can you uh, just kind of do a quick rundown on how you would set up your radio uh, to do like a, a transmit plus or minus five, six? Like yeah, a, so a- tricky question because I don't know what kind of radio you're running with, but um, most will have that offset or it, it'll either be called offset, it'll be called a shift. Um, 
Kevin in the live chat brings up a great point that Chirp is great for, for programming handhelds because it, it does a lot of the work for you. We're getting yeah, there, Kevin. We're, we're getting now. there, Kevin. So, yeah, stop, <laughs> stop watching ahead, Kevin. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, the... Um, it's either get, you're looking for shift or offset or some kind of wording like that in your programming. Um, and then you'd simply put in 0 0.6, 0 0.5, and then plus minus. We'll accept your apology, Kevin. We should be nice to the listeners, yes. And so then we got one less listener now, so that's, yeah. that's good. Uh, <laughs> less competition for me. Yes. Yeah. All right. I will I will point out one thing. Um, some radios I've noticed now as well will do the automatic shift detection. Uh, so for example, the TYT that I have here will detect either plus or minus, um, five or six, and it'll try to do it for you. It's not always a hundred percent correct, but you may already have that uh, availability in your in your radio. So this is where it comes to uh to reading the manual, which I know everybody hates to do, but hey, when all it, fails, read the instructions. Yeah, and because the UV5R is written in the finest, finest grammatically correct English, uh, <laughs> there's a group of guys that ran a site called Meeklore that uh, dedicated uh, multiple hours of volunteer time putting together a proper UV5R user's guide in yep. North American English, um, and it's fantastic. So at meeklore.com, uh, yeah, you can find a bunch of stuff there. Uh, there's also a Chirp Beginner's Guide I put in the show notes uh, at danplanet.com, and balfrangradio.ca as a third tertiary thing. But uh, for the most part, Meeklore is the way to go. And it'll get, definitely tell you how to set up your radio if you don't have software to do it. It's a fantastic document. If you're starting out with a, with a Balefang, um, even if you don't have the, the 5R, if you have a different variant like uh, UV82 or something like that, most of the menus are the same. I know shocking, different <laughs> different make or different model number, but same operating. Well, that and the, you go to Meeklore and you just pick your radio and then it goes to everything yeah. available for that radio as far as software and manuals and everything else. It's pretty yeah, fantastic. It's very handy site. Yeah. So uh, as Kevin mentioned, uh, there is a way around all this. Uh, it's called Chirp, which is a piece of software available as freeware on the internet. Uh, any idea of the, the origins of Chirp? Somebody uh, got I really, really cranky it. with trying to have it program a bunch of radios <laughs> manually, and so they wrote a program yeah. to do it. And yeah, well, I mean, I've, I've got it open right now. It's just a CSV. Like it's, it's a really basic. Uh, um, it's a really, it's essentially just fancy Excel that somehow knows how to write to your radio. And I imagine that most radios operate on the same basic concept of programming. Yeah, I mean, I, I it pretty much is. It's a spreadsheet glorified, but I mean, it seems to work well. Like for the most part, it gets the plus or minus offset right for all these repeaters. So yeah. if I just type in the identifier and the frequency, it seems to know which one to do. And I'd say ninety-five percent of the time, it's correct. Um, yeah. And that could just could be an updating of the actual, you know, frequency designator too, right? Could be, yeah. But uh, we uh, should mention too before we get too deep into uh, in the chirp is the CTCSS, because you're going to see that as well when you're programming your radio. Oh, God. So, yeah, I know. We're getting into all kinds of acronyms. This is great. We're still at 10 live uh, watchers, so that's good, or live viewers. So uh, I'll okay. make this quick. What does it stand for? Haha. <laughs> Continuous Tone Coded Squelch ah. System. You know, you know he had to look over at his screen before he said yes, that. Yes, I'm not going to yeah. memorize what it stands for. Come on. Of course I wrote it out. <laughs> I think I had um, three so, out of five, but anyway. Yeah, hey. 
I just, it is what it is. I wrote it out. Uh, so you're going to see those as well when you see repeaters listed for, uh, for programming into your radio. And the easiest way to understand what that is, is it's a, it's a key for the repeater. So it allows you into the repeater. Uh, it lets you listen to what's, what's going on. Uh, if you don't have that, you're not going to hear anything. But to throw in more confusion, not all repeaters require it. So it's, it's a fun, most, most that I've seen do, right. and you'll see in the various regions that you're in that most repeaters will use the same, uh, CTCSS code. Uh, but just be aware it's there, it's a thing. And if you've programmed your radio and for the life of you, you can't figure out why you're not hearing anything. Maybe you see on your, your Beofang, whatever radio you're using that it's receiving a signal, but you're not hearing anything. Check to make sure that you've set that tone code because I've done that a few times, banging my head against the desk, wondering what I did wrong. And that's all it was, is I just didn't put the code in, or I thought I put it in, I didn't save it and write it to the radio. So and that, was Ian, there. that was Ian three weeks ago, and I was trying to figure mm-hmm. out, because the CHIRP program was a little bit off on a couple of the CTCSS codes, and that makes all the difference, right, between making it work perfectly and making it not work at all. So that yeah. uh, is definitely a thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Now um, we get in the CHIRP. Yeah, so chirp, and before we get into chirp, let's talk about the other thing, the actual cord. So mm-hmm. the programming cord that comes for chirp uh, comes in various uh, types. But basically, they're meant to plug into the the mic and headphone jack on the side of your radio, and into a USB on the side of your computer. They don't always have the best drivers, and nope. so for somebody that wants to like get into these handy talkies, VHF, UHF operations, and and make their life a lot easier via chirp, um, it can be frustrating, as I discovered. Uh, spending like a week or so trying to get the, the cord to work because the cord just wasn't sensing the phone. And uh, as it turns out, go to Meatlore and get the proper driver. And generally, they have it already pre-figured out for you because they've been frustrated for years versus my, my days. So, yeah, uh, basically, you got to get your, your cord set up properly. Once it's able to ses- sense your phone, you're going to be able to program it properly. I think you can start using Chirp. I'm curious as to why you're programming your phone with Chirp. But did I say my did I say my phone? Well, I let it okay. slide the first time. You said it the second time. I couldn't. Ah, it okay. Well, I have my phone beside <laughs> me. My radio. I get confused easily. Leave me alone. <laughs> that, that's that's what you want. Someone yeah. who's responsible for other lives. Yeah. <laughs> yes. yes yeah. <laughs> Was it gear down? Gear up? Nah, t- yeah, yeah, t- oh well. Uh, so uh, and just to again with the the uh, the handhelds or even like the TYT the base stations and such, most will have the option to come with a programming cable just wherever you're going to purchase from ask them if it comes with it because a lot will not include it and then you have to purchase it separately and which is why you should only buy them from rapid survival in which case you know that you're getting it i'm not going to say that but uh i will radios i sell do come with the programming cable already i would just like to point out that i have (laughs) two baofangs from you that did not come with the programming cable (laughs) the the baofangs don't but the bigger radios do so yeah, a lot of the bigger radios there actually have a specific programming cable, like the uh, yeah. the QYT here had a, a single prong one uh, versus the the normal two prong one, and so it, it but it came with its own. So, yep. But just make sure that it's in the package because they don't always include it. Yeah, oh, that makes sense. Absolutely. Uh, so once you get it open and chirp, and the, you can actually uh, open up the spreadsheet for lack of a better term, or, or start a new spreadsheet. You can yep. import the spreadsheet from the radio, uh, which yep. will set up the amount of channels it's it's capable of handling. And then all of a sudden, you can start actually um, using, re- op- I guess, external resources to populate a lot of your channels if you want to program them the fast way. And one, uh, 
one tip before you get too far ahead. Once you've downloaded the radio, so you've opened it up the first time around, you've downloaded, go up the file and save and save that as your base. So if you screw something up, you can just send it back to the radio and then it's back to normal. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And then, uh, yeah, you can actually uh, import from a data source, uh, such as radio reference. And uh, it actually specifies US or Canada. And for the most part, their information is pretty valid, but you can actually do like a, uh, I guess, a proximity query, depending on what you how you want to do it. Or you can actually just do it via identifiers or anything else. And you can actually pull up all the, lo- uh, the repeaters in your local area, throw them into channels, throw in your basic hailing frequencies, anything else you want to do that your Baofeng will cover. Um, yeah, and assuming it's an industry Canada certified one, I think you're limited to ham radio frequencies, correct? Correct. Yeah, the uh, the Bayo Fangs, as I'm sure most have heard a little while ago, were banned. Um, that's because they were able to transmit outside of ham frequencies. So there is a new version out now, the UV5RIC, and IC stands for Industry Canada. So they've jumped through all the hoops and they've actually received certification now. Um, so they will not transmit off of ham frequency. Uh, they still will receive um, off of frequency. So those that were using it for picking up various police services or, or other um, emergency services that would transmit on analog, you can still pick them up, but you can no longer transmit on those frequencies. So that's a good thing. Well, in the good old days, and the good old days, you could use it as an FRS radio, allegedly. Yeah. Um, well, I, or marine. Yeah. Or yeah. marine frequencies or a bunch of other stuff, which was pretty I good. I heard that was possible. Yeah. But uh, these are a little more sedate now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They won't transmit on FRS or marine or anything. Um, I believe they can still uh, receive on them, though, but they just, you're not going to be able to transmit. Yeah. And the nice thing is about. Uh, uh, chirp if you actually want to use it properly and for example if you're going to listen to certain frequencies and you have the option you can actually just select to not transmit on those frequencies which is actually kind of cool it saves you from getting yourself into hot water um, yeah. and if you are not getting the information you want from repeater book or anything else you can actually get uh, a radio reference say you can actually get the re- repeater book app oh it's not going to yes. focus is it anyway focus 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 yeah. anyways it's not going to focus so it's repeater not, book yeah, it's a repeater book app, and basically just download it, and it shows up and bases your location with GPS and figures yep. out what the nearest repeaters are and gives you all the details you need, including frequencies, offsets, CTCSS codes, yep. the whole works, and uh, distance from your location, so you can actually have a reasonable chance of hitting it. Um, it's another good I way use to program that your radio. all the time when I'm traveling. It's very, very handy. And I've never seen it wrong yet, so... Nope. I've seen it... Uh, with some dead, uh, some dead repeaters, but it's usually just because it's older repeaters that have been set up, and the next frequency down is the right one. So, mm-hmm. but for the most part, it's bang on. So, on top of using repeaters, uh, obviously, there's the straight what they call simplex operation, which is yep. basically talking to each other directly on a frequency, which is you know hopefully a, a frequency that's not a new spy repeater or anything else, and you just talk back and forth to people in other vehicles or uh, people in the bush or whatever you want. Um, it's a very handy size. Uh, and if you're going to get into ham radio, it's the easy entry as far as financial commitment goes. I think uh, if you're going to get into ham radio and get your, your license, this is probably the best way to start versus yep. HF because of the upfront costs. And uh, the utility aspect is huge uh, yep. for sure. As far as anything else I had to say, it really, um, what am I missing really? A whole lot. Yeah, that's oh. kind of the the basics. So, so with chirp, I need to 
get the information from my radio first, and then I can start plugging information into it, then put it back into the radio. Is that right? It kind of Correct. sets up a template. Yeah. You go to download, download from the radio. It sets up the template for the radio, and then um, save that template, and then modify it. Gotcha. And there's also there's also some uh, there's some pre-made templates for certain things. Like for example, my QIT didn't have a template built in. Or sorry, I did have a template built in, but I used a different model number, and it still worked. Yeah, um, yeah you're going to have to do some fidgeting with Chirp, uh, especially if you're dealing with the, the Chinese radios, just because of the way it is. So don't be afraid, because you have a, a UV5R or UV82, try the UV5R if it won't talk to your UV82. You select in UV82 in the dropdown, then try the 5R. I'd try a couple of different models under that manufacturer's list because one might actually talk to your radio. Gotcha. Yeah, you're not going to break anything. The worst that's going to happen is it's going to say, can't talk to the radio, and that's what you were already getting. So. Hmm. Oh, and speaking of which, I had a, uh, I talk about range on these things. I had a random contact today contact me on the, the local hailing frequency uh, without a repeater. And I was like, uh, he's using a random term called soda. And I didn't know what the hell he was talking about. And so I had to look it up, but it's called Summit on the Air. And uh, what these guys oh. do is they climb mountains. And when they get to the top of the mountain, they decide to see who they can talk to. <laughs> oh. And uh, so this guy, actually, yeah, this guy actually climbed to the top of a mountain on the far side of the uh, the, the lower mainland there, like over towards uh, Chilliwack Hope area. Uh, yeah. And yeah, so he's in the middle of nowhere and he's actually... Uh, climbed a mountain and he's contacting me and yeah, he must have been over 100 miles away. It's pretty cool. So like, said, they do have range. These things are pretty amazing. So, um, but that's pretty much all I had. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the basics of UHF VHF. Um, that's where I started to get in the ham. And like Ian said, the little, little Baofeng handhelds for like 50, 60 bucks, you're good to go. Like they'll, they'll get you into it. They'll get you chatting. They get you comfortable with it, and then you start moving from there and, and grabbing some some fancier uh, handhelds if you need them. And but it's a, it's a good spot to start, and and UHF VHF is a good spot to, to get comfortable with radio operations and programming, and you're just going to go from there and, and expand out to, to HF and other things. So. One of our uh, erstwhile panelists and listeners uh, mentioned the couple of things we could do with the radios that would actually uh, amp up your your reasons for traveling, if need be. Uh, Eric, you're doing a can warn course here momentarily. Yep, so you, could, true, you, yep. Could, you could be out storm watching uh, with could one of these be, yep. reporting on the weather. And yep. Aries, uh, I just learned about that now. What's what's that yep. all about again? What's so it? that was it's an emergency service on uh, on ham radio. It's a it's a sec secondary means of communication that doesn't involve that, that allows of it allows non emergency frequencies to be used to pass along pass along emergency information. Yeah, so the so amateur I, radio emergency service is a thing I guess throughout North America that uh, ham radio people get into and they just use the VHF UHF for it, and it's something mm -hmm. that will allow you to uh, contribute to the community in case of emergency. I guess. Yeah. That's so something to look into, especially if you're looking to get into the ham thing and you're already in the preparedness mindset, so you're going to want to know what's going on. So why not have a look at that? Yeah. Coolio. Yeah. Hey, what's the best way the to, basics? What, what, what's the best way to connect two pieces of um, coax together 
in an exterior application. So I have to go under the bed of my truck to, or under the cab of my truck to run my uh, run my antenna cable. How do I connect those in such a way that it's not going to get wet? Duct tape. You can get coax sealant. So if okay. you take two connectors, um, I'm assuming you've run out of cable. So well, you I just, it comes with a 15 foot cable. I'm going to have to go further than that. So I'm going to have to. Yeah. So, so if you, if you make your connection and then get some coax sealant and this, it's like a, a rubber kind of sealant that's okay. pliable. You can rub that, wrap that around it and then it'll stick to it and makes it weatherproof. Does Rapid Survival sell that? I have to make an order anyways. I do not. I should. <sighs> yeah. Uh, well, I also have to order some, I also have to order a connector and you're not going to have that either. So I, I know it's not believable. Just like nobody believes that this is not a ham radio podcast. Uh, I'm not a ham radio <laughs> shop. Yeah. So, <laughs> although I'm starting to maybe lean that way. I was going to say the well, number of radios that I bought from you. <laughs> it's it's still under attack from the government, but not just not as heavily as other things. That's all. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, yeah. regulations there. It's only going to get worse. But yeah. Anyway, that's all. all right. I think that uh, I think that covers off the the basics for UHF VHF. It's um, like I said, it's a good spot to start. This is the spot. This is the starting place, right? Totally honestly, is the starting place. Honestly, and I'm surprised we didn't have more uh, questions as we went along here. But yeah. You know, like, uh, yeah, any VHF questions, let us know, because uh, this yeah. is the, the part where I think people spend most of their time, because the, judging by what I'm listening to, it's like there's guys that are on there every night on VHF. Yes. Just, uh, there's continuous people here, too, on the, on the, uh, the two-meter repeater in town here. They're very, very popular. So. Wow. Just Especially screw people. I refer to it as two-meter. Yeah. You're welcome, Ian. Hey, thanks, buddy. Uh, yeah, well, especially during the lockdown, there's nothing else to do, too, I suppose. But. Yeah, there's that too, yeah. yeah. But even even pre-COVID, I found that the uh, the two meter repeater in in my area, at least, is usually very popular. There's usually a, a couple of nets throughout the week where people just meet the chat and say hello. Um, it's yeah, and I found that traveling across the province as well that I could almost always guaranteed at least get one other station on two meter wherever I was. So it's, it's a good spot to start. All right. But with that, seeing as there's no questions in the live chat, maybe we'll move into the podcast challenge. All righty. Uh, try to learn some basic radio usage. So even if you have some FRS toys uh, that some people may have just bought, get to know them really well because the problem is, is when you actually need to use them, uh, as I discovered a couple couple years ago during the big power rush there, trying to use them when you're under pressure or under the gun with you know no power to recharge them and everything else if you want to learn how to use them use them or learn how to use them now so try utilizing some controls if you never turned it on learn your muscle memory on how to like change channels or put in the privacy codes or anything else because it's way easier to do it when you're uh when you're not under stress than uh, under the heat of the moment and by the same token find your your max range uh for where you are your like terrain and your equipment are you suggesting that we test our equipment and know how to use it <laughs> I said test your gear for like the last four podcasts. I'm not going to say it this time. I was just going to say like 115 uh, episodes in. I don't, think we've, I don't think we've mentioned yeah. that. Yeah. I just did. We've never mentioned Why am I just hearing this now for the first time? <laughs> test 115 <your> <laughs> episodes in. Yeah. yeah. That's good. <laughs> All right. Upcoming events. So CanWarn is still doing their online course, but it is full. 
Right. So. And I'm still holding out for that one at the end of May, but they haven't advertised it yet. So as soon as we hear something, we will let everybody know. All right, let's move on the shout-outs. Oh, I guess it's just me. Uh, yep. Dave and Delano from Canada First Ammo. Uh, so, best of luck in your retail adventure. They are a brand-new retailer of guns, ammo, uh, accessories, mild survival gear, nothing that competes with Eric. Mm-hmm. And yeah, Competition's um, fine. Nothing wrong with competition. But you know what I really appreciate the fact is, is that they are a small business and they are matching prices with everybody else and you know what they they're they're providing some stuff that nobody else can provide right now including some gunpowders may not be the one you prefer but hey um i'm just happy to see another small business and it's considering the regulation involved with like firearms ammunition and everything else brave men like seriously because Mm -hmm. like what a what a regulation like nightmare that would be can only imagine so uh based out of Calgary, it looks like. So, if you uh, can support them, Canada First Ammo, I find their prices are pretty good. So, nice. anyway, which I guess I should just transition straight to the deal of the week because I, uh, <laughs> I, uh, I actually went on their website and took a look at a bunch of stuff just to see, you know, how they how they compared and everything else. And so, I took a look. At their Maverick 88 shotgun's pretty good, uh, but their Connect shotgun is the exact same price as anywhere else. But a, you might save on the PSD depending on your luck. Um, but also support the small business, right? Because all these big box stores have had like 200% uh, profit increases the last couple of years. Small businesses are getting killed. So if you're going to buy a shotgun, support these guys if you can. And really, who doesn't need more shotguns? Exactly. Yeah. So. Don't know. going to have to probably buy another one. Communists. Only communists. Guns are bad. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Let's move into email and iTunes reviews. We got a couple this week. Uh, this one yeah. from Yukon 12 Gauge. He has shotguns. You might need another one. Yukon 12 Gauge, Canada Ammo. Check them out. Um, you got an Abri antenna. Works pretty good. Too long. I guess you got the short one. I'm wondering if there's maybe more to that that was supposed to be sent and it didn't go through. But anyways, cool. Glad it works for you. If you yeah. need the longer one, get it. Yeah. Or yeah, if you need a shorter one, then maybe get a different one? Yeah, I think I mentioned that I, I got the short one. So, yeah, like uh, mine didn't work, his did. So, if you're going to get an Abri antenna, get the long one. Get the long one. All right. Yeah. Cool. There we go. Get the long one. Uh, we've got another one here from uh, Halsey. It says, out of curiosity, do you ham guys ever experience odd things happening to your vehicle after you install a radio in it? Apparently, two way radios can cause issues with the CAN bus systems in some vehicles and equipment. Good question. Uh, personally, I have not. Um, I've had a little bit of a hum in my trans, like transmission on the radio, uh, most likely from some electrical stuff like the alternator. Um, but uh, I haven't had any adverse effects. But I guess I could see some some interference happening. But don't know if it would go as far as affecting the CAN bus. But I have yet to transmit. Well, no, I, that's, I suppose that's not true. I've used my portables, my handy talkies through the uh, in my truck and haven't had any issues. Yeah, I've just put an HT in my, my truck as well with the uh, the little mini mag base antenna that you sold there, Eric, but yep. nothing major happened. It didn't start talking to me or anything. Like, you know, when yeah. he, he describes things, <laughs> odd things happening. I mean, yeah, truck didn't come to life or anything, so. Yeah, like I, I did, this isn't car-based, but when I first got my HF system all set up, I did end up screwing my computer up pretty good. But, uh, which, same thing, like in the, the car, like your, your vehicle would have a, an onboard computer as well, so 
Is it possible? Yeah. Um, that was a grounding thing and me just being stupid and rushing my setup and not paying attention. Um, but as long as you, you know, ground things properly, set things up correctly, hook it up correctly, I don't see there being an issue. But if anybody else listening has had a problem, let us know. Cool. All right. With that, I will bring episode 115 of the Canadian Prepper podcast to an end. Uh, you can find the podcast on iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, or of course your favorite podcast app. Uh, please help us out. Take a second, submit a review. It helps other people find us. We do record these shows live on Facebook and YouTube for now. If you want an early peek at the shows, please subscribe to the YouTube channel, Canadian Prepper Podcast, and click the notifications tab. That will give you an alert when we're going live. If you want to send me a message directly, you can get me, Alan, at prepperpodcast.ca. And eventually I do respond to my emails. Eventually. And if you want to uh, reach me, you can send it to feedback at pepperpodcast.ca and it will get sent to me. I'll find you. Uh, that's what I'm afraid of. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you can reach Ian directly by emailing me at theislandretreat at gmail.com and on Gab at the Island Retreat. You can also find me on Canadian Patriot Podcast on iTunes and YouTube and now in the Discord group called Canadian Patriot Podcast, of all things. Email us if you want an invite to it. Uh, there you can find us discussing why government waste in society has me stockpiling the bow things. <laughs> Very nice. Uh, please check out Rapid Survival at uh, rapidsurvival.com. You can get me there on the live chat. And uh, thanks for joining us this evening. Till next time, be prepared, stay safe. And keep learning. <laughs>